All right, well, uh, y'all have talked enough, I think. I think it's enough. I think it's enough. I think you've talked enough. Yeah. So uh, tonight we're going to begin our little one-month series called So What's the Difference? And we'll be discussing the differences between some of the world's major religions versus biblical Christianity. So tonight I've picked uh, Jehovah's Witnesses. Well, I'm doing Mormonism next week. So, mind you, next week we're not be, we won't be in here. I have to teach the adults, so I'm teaching your lesson to the adults. So y'all just come. Mm-hmm. They need to know too. In the in there, because Dr. Mike's gone in the big building. So um, please keep your hands to yourself. I'm very uncomfortable with that. You should be uncomfortable with it too. It's a sin. Um, so, but anyways, so tonight we're, tonight we're going to, you know what, let me pray, because this, this is derailed so fast, it's like a train, Jack. Let me pray, let me pray. Father, thank you for today, thank you for all these kids, I'm so glad they're here. Uh, Lord, I'm just uh, so blessed to, to spend time with them, to get to know them. Uh, Lord, just be with us tonight as we talk about uh, difficult things. In your name we pray, amen. So, uh, discussion is going to flow a little bit, a little bit like a class topic. So please play. T- I'm going to try to keep it brief because I know you're in class all day. I want you to be able to ask questions, uh, but just pay attention. Feel free to ask questions as we go along. But we're going to talk about Jehovah's Witnesses hereafter. I'm just going to say JWs because Jehovah, Jehovah's Witnesses takes too long to say. We're going to talk about their evangelism efforts, uh, their history, a little bit of their history, uh, their beliefs. Uh, how we as biblical Christians should respond to them, and then just a summary, and you can ask whatever you want. So we can. Uh, um, that was not good. Do you want me to get paper? Uh, David, you know where the printer is downstairs, don't you? I'm sorry, bud. Please, please, buddy. Jack, go go with him. Uh, if it isn't, no, not this one. Anyone but that one. Well, he he can help you. Just get it out of the printer, please. Okay, so I'm gonna stall for a bit of a minute. Tell me, tell me what you know. Pins are up here if you need them. Tell me what you do know about Jehovah's Witness, if anything. Hey, that that's correct. Say that for everyone to hear. They go door to door. They go door to door. So they knock on your door. No. What was it? Any, anything else? Any anyone else? Huh? Mormons. But I mean, they also go door to door. Uh, no, not really. That's kind of more Mormons kind of dress up. Um. Uh, yes, but they believe a certain amount of people will go to heaven, but it doesn't have anything to do with predestination. Because um, they don't really believe in that more reformed idea of a, a theology. But we will talk about why they believe just this amount of people will go to heaven and then no one else will. Anything else? Just anything else about the J-dubs? I'm calling them J-dubs now because it takes a lot less time to say than Jehovah's Witnesses. And it kind of feels cooler, J-dubs. 
Um, so this is how many there are. There are about 1.2 to 2.5 million active Jehovah's Witnesses in, in J-Dubs in the United States. Now, does that seem like a lot? It's a, it's, a, it's a high number. How many Christians do you think are in the United States? Claiming. Huh? 14 million. 1 million? No. 215 It's about 60%, about 336, 332 million Christians. So there are about, there are about 5 million, 5 million Jehovah's Witnesses worldwide while about one-third of the world claims Christianity. Now, that's, the reason I use the word claims is because there's a difference between claiming Christianity and actually being a Christian. And so there are 332 million people in the United States that claim Christianity. But in that number, they also include Mormonism, which I think is not accurate. That's so sad. Why? It's, well, because I, I don't know why. They include Mormons in Christianity. Saved Griffin. What? Did you, talk, did you coach up the kids? There was a, a live alligator in the manor. Thank you, buddy. It's a joke. Hey, Griffin. Take this, please. For your mama. Thanks, buddy. All right, if you need paper, get some paper, and then we're going to get started. We're talking about J Dubs tonight, Big G. Congratulations again. Very cool. Well, next week, Macy. Yeah. I know. Temple. I know. Very different. Don't they? They call it temple, not church, right? Well, no, the temple's separate. They have a church on there. But they can't get married on Oh, I see. And, and non. Mormon Baptist born around the church. So like you couldn't go in some to, but you can go to church. Yeah. Okay. All right. Give me your attention for about twenty five more minutes. All right. So for those of you that just got here, there are about one point two to two point five million Jehovah's Witnesses in the United States compared to about three hundred and thirty two claiming Christianity in the United States. So Jehovah's Witnesses are a much smaller number, but like, like uh, Andrew said, uh, they go door to door. They're very active in their evangelism efforts. They spend over 130 million hours a year preaching on the streets and knocking on doors in the United States. Now, if you come downtown on the weekends, you can see two Jehovah's Witnesses that stand here every weekend right beside Kilwins. Okay, and they have... They stand right by a little uh, cutout thing right there, and they won't talk to you unless you come up and talk to them. They're not going to stop you. Like if Josh just walks by, they're not going to be like, hey, can I talk to you? You're going to have to engage with them. That's Josh, by the way. He's from St. Martin. He has a broken arm. Well, at the end, please. Thank you, B-Dog. So um, they're here in Ocean Springs. So uh, I don't know... I know there's a temple uh, going towards Loosedale. I mean, a, a church, Jehovah's Witness Church, uh, going towards Loosedale. I'm sure there's one local if they're here in the streets. So their mission is to teach that they are the only correct religion in the world. 
And so they go so far to say that biblical Christianity is wrong and that everyone who doesn't believe what the Jehovah's Witness, a.k.a. 99.99% of the world, will be destroyed once Armageddon comes. That's what they believe. And so part of their vision has been cast uh, to, to, do, to predict dates when the end times are going to come. Okay, so when they got started in the 1800s, when a young man who we'll talk about named Charles Russell uh, started to predict the end of the world, he picked a date and he said, this is when the world's going to end. If you're not a Jehovah's Witness, good luck. All right, so that date, obviously we're way past the 1800s. It didn't happen. Uh, do we know what Matthew 24, 36 says? Someone want to look that up, Andrew? So tonight what we're going to do is I'm going to tell you what Jehovah's Witnesses believe, and then I'm going to use the Bible to, to, t- to teach you what the Bible... Well, no, I, sorry, I told Andrew. My bad. My bad, bro. I'll get you on the next one. Matthew 24, 36. Oh, 36? Yeah, 36. Um, now concerning that day and hour, no one knows, neither the angels of heaven nor the Son, except the Father alone. So, yeah, in these verses, Jesus is talking to people, and in the verses prior, He says, yeah, there will be a tribulation. There will be a time of Armageddon when the world ends, when Christ returns. Oh, gosh, what's happening? I lost my cursor. But He's saying not... Uh, God, only God the Father knows that. Not even God the Son knows that. And so that means that the Jehovah's Witnesses do not know that. Um, so right off the bat, their theology is, one of their main teachings is not only wrong, but they have continually stated wrongly when the world is going to end. Well done, Griffin. Thank you. And so they do so boldly against the words of Scripture. So let's talk real briefly how they got started Charles Taze Russell is his name, Charles Russell, born in the 1800s. He was a Congregationalist. So, do you know your Baptist history? It's okay. So, you're, you're, congreg- you're kind of a descendant, in a way, of a Congregationalist. Think about how we run our church. Who makes the decisions? No. No. The congregation. We vote. Well done, my boy. So... Um, we, do, we, are, we vote as a congregation. So in a way, this guy left this uh, um, type of church, a congregationalist church. He rejected... So did all Jehovah's Witnesses reject the same things that guy rejects? Well, no, he's the guy that started. Things change a little bit. We're going to talk about it. But this is who started it. They, you know, they have different beliefs about hell, the Trinity, and they eventually launched their own publication called the Watchtower Magazine. Now, that doesn't sound important, but it it's actually is very important. And so, again, their main mission is to oppose biblical Christianity and contradict biblical doctrines and teachings. And they twist the words of the Bible to make it fit a preconceived theology that the Bible just does not teach. So after Charles Russell died, this guy came along by the name uh, Joseph Rutherford. Uh, and he would start a society called the Watchtower Bible and Tract Society, which he would relay, rename later to Jehovah's Witnesses. Um, but he said, so the first guy, Charles Russell, said that the world would end in 18-something. It didn't. Joseph Rutherford came along. He said the world will end in 1914. It didn't. He died in 1916. Um, so people would, they would keep having these presidents, and they would keep coming along, uh, and they would set the dates, but now Jehovah's Witnesses as a whole have kind of moved away from this idea that they point out and say, 
This is when the world will end. But they still just plainly uh, teach incorrect theology and they distort the words of the Bible. So I want to look real closely at their main set of beliefs. And so this is where we'll camp for a little bit. Now, before we talk about their beliefs, if you had to answer what our core beliefs are as Protestant Christians, and then even so, especially as Southern Baptists, could you do so? What would you say our core beliefs are? You have to be born again and have a relationship with God. Okay, yes. Speak the silent process so that we can go to heaven. Yes. You have to say Jesus as your Lord. Yeah. So, so we're going to talk about their beliefs, what their core beliefs are. Can you tell me what it means to be a Protestant Christian? Nothing against Catholics, but we have different beliefs than Protestants. So, different beliefs than Catholic, I'm sorry. So, what are the core beliefs of Protestant Christianity and also Southern Baptist denomination? We're saved by uh, grace through, or faith through Christianity. Yes. Big one there that all of you touched along. Salvation is through Christ alone, by faith alone. We cannot earn what Christ accomplished by Himself on the cross by dying in our place for our sins and rising on the, from the grave to defeat hell and death. So that's a huge one, right? What do we believe about the Bible? Yeah, so it's the inerrant, meaning it, has, it contains no errors. It's sufficient, meaning that it is perfect in all its ways, and it's authoritative, meaning that it's God's Word to us. So we as Protestant Christians, especially Baptists, we hold the Bible in the most high accord, right? That's the most important thing to us. Now, what about the Trinity? Yeah, quit. Can you stop? What do we believe about the Trinity? One God, three, a God who is three in one, right? Three distinct persons, one God. There's a post. I'm sorry, I didn't hear. You. There's a poster down there by the craft room that says it's it has the Trinity in it, and it says God is not the Son, but the Son is God, and God is God, and God. Does that make sense? So there are three distinct people that are one God. What about heaven and hell? What do we believe about that? Both real place. We believe that we believe that they're very real. We believe that they're very permanent, and it and we believe that no matter. What you do, all souls will end up in one of those two places when they pass from this earth. And only Jesus can earn our interest, entrance into heaven because we are naturally, as sinners, bound towards hell. So those are Protestant, traditional uh, Christian beliefs. Most of those, all of those beliefs are going to be, uh, most of them are going to be in agreement with Catholicism, Catholicism as well. But you're going to see here that they do not have the same beliefs in Jehovah's Witnesses. So Jehovah's Witnesses deny the doctrine of the the Trinity, calling it an insult to God-given intelligence and reason. So someone read 1 Corinthians 14.33, Griffin. David, I'll get you the next one. Now that we're taking each little area that they they have an issue with, we're going to look at a few different scriptures. 1 Corinthians 14.33. Uh, he, God is not a person, so that's just... The, well, yeah, you... He's not like a physical being. He's more like a... I don't know. Since God is not a God of disorder, but of peace. Yes, okay, so 
the J-dubs say, hey, the Trinity can't be a real thing because they misused that, ver- that scripture that, there that said God is not a God of confusion. And so they reason that God would never, never author such a confusing doctrine as the Trinity, and therefore they give credit saying Satan came up with that. Yet, what does the author of Isaiah 55 say? It'd be really impressive if you knew this, but the author, the author says God's ways are above my ways. His thoughts are above my thoughts. Fa- th- farts. <laughs> 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 uh, that's, that's funny. Uh, his thoughts are above my thoughts. It says, as far as the heavens are above the earth, so are his thoughts above my... It's kind of funny. Isn't it? So are his thoughts above mine. So what that passage is saying is that we are human and then there's God. We're not the same. So just because if God authored a, a doctrine about the Trinity and maybe we don't fully understand it, that doesn't mean that God didn't do it just because we can't understand it. Um, and so He is God and, he, and, and we are human, but, but Jehovah's Witnesses love to point out that the word Trinity is not in the Bible. Do you know what other word is not in the Bible? Bible. Okay. So, but, but the concept of the Trinity is, in the Bi- is all over the Bible, and it's very, there very cl- clearly. And so the Bible and its followers of biblical, biblical Christianity have always taught that the eternal God exists in three co-equal and co-eternal persons, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. In the opening chapter of the Bible, Genesis 1.26 says what, Macy? I mean, we're talking like the very first page, Genesis 126 of the Bible. What does it say? I'll get you next, Friday. Genesis 126. Then God said, Let us make man in our image according to our likeness. They will rule the fish of the sea, the birds of the sky, the livestock, the whole earth, and the creatures that crawl on the earth. Absolutely. So let who? Let us make man in our image. So we already know in the beginning, it's not just one person. It's one God in three persons. Yeah, buddy. Question. So when they when the Bible in most terms when they say man, don't they mean man and woman, but in some terms they also mean just man? Yeah, good word. Good question. Sometimes they mean mankind, humankind. Sometimes they mean man. Um, but a lot of times you'll see translations use man in the place of mankind or humankind. But that's why it's important to study your Bible. But let's look at these verses to talk about the Trinity, why we believe the Trinity is a core biblical doctrine. Uh, Brody, John, chapter 14, 26. Presley, Newport, John 15, 26. Elizabeth, 2 Corinthians 3, 14, which is Acts, Romans, 1 Corinthians, 2 Corinthians. And then Emma, you read 1 Peter 1, 2, which is towards the very back. John 14, 26. John 15, 26. Let me make sure I, those are both very similar. Let me make sure I gave you the right. 1426. Yeah, that's correct. All right, Brody, you first. But the counselor, the Holy Spirit, and the Father will send in my name, will teach you all things and remind you of everything I have told you. So Jesus is talking, and he says, But the counselor, who is the Holy Spirit, the Father will send him in my name. So right there, the Trinity's present. Okay, it's not made up. John 15, 26. When the counselor comes, the one I will send to you from the Father, the Spirit of the truth, who proceeds from the Father, he will testify of us. So very similar 
scripture there, Jesus is talking about God the Spirit and God the Father working together with Him, God the Son, to achieve their mission. 2 Corinthians 13, 14. 13, 14? Is that not right? Let me... Okay, let me... Yeah, 2 Corinthians 13, 14. What does it say? It's probably 1 Corinthians. Are you in 1 Corinthians? No, I have it right here. What is it? What does it say? It's the Bible, so if you read it, it's not going to be... There is no 13, 14? That must be a typo. Let's look at 1 Corinthians 13, 14. I'm sorry, Elizabeth. I just thought, like... Yeah. No, there's no, there's no 1 Corinthians 13, 14. Either. There's not. There's no, it's good. It's good, Brody. We're going to... We're going to skip that. All right, we're going to go to... Well, 13, 13. Okay. I'll read 13, 13. Thank you, Macy. Okay, so all mentioned again in one verse. First Peter 3, I mean, First Peter 1, 2. Okay, so when, uh, especially there where Peter's speaking, like they're, they're mentioning three distinct persons, one God. Like it should be very clear to a Jehovah's Witness that this is not, this is a very clear biblical doctrine. It's mentioned across the Bible. It's not confusing. It can be understood. Now, how they work together supernaturally, that's probably hard for us to understand as humans. But the fact that it exists is very clear in the words of the Bible. So they don't believe in the Trinity. We do. Second thing that they don't believe is that Christ was um, or is, I worded this poorly now that I said that they don't believe that Christ was God. So it shouldn't be a surprise like to you all that if they don't believe the Trinity, then they don't believe that Jesus was God. Okay, that's a logical step. Even though it's an error, it's a logical step, right? If I don't believe the Trinity, then why would I believe that Jesus is God? But they, they give Him honor. So they give honor to Jesus. And in fact, but they do not see Him on equal ground with God the Father. Good question. What do they think He is? So they call God the Father, Almighty God. They call Jesus Mighty God. Okay? Does that make sense? So they call God the Father, Almighty God. They call Jesus Mighty God. And so what they think is that they, um, they believe that Almighty God created Jesus, and then Mighty God Jesus created everything else. That's what they believe. And so... Um, well done, well done. Well, I, I, you know, when I was typing it up, I, I, when I was typing it up in my office, I left it open and walked out. I was like, what if someone goes in there? I thought the same thing. <laughs> They're going to be like, he's, he's, he's out of here. But, um, so again, they, um, they also teach. So what does our Bible teach us about Jesus? 
He was born of the virgin birth, but he's God come down to us, right? We say the word Emmanuel. What does that mean? God with us, us, right? And so we believe he was born of a virgin birth. We believe that he is God and he's both fully man and fully human. Jehovah's Witnesses don't believe that. They believe he's the angel, the archangel Michael, who became a human, Jesus, right? So they believe he came from heaven as the archangel Michael, which you see mentioned throughout the Bible. Um, but they, all they see him on earth is a perfect man, nothing else. All right? They just see him as a perfect man, not God, just a man. And whenever he died, all right, so they believe he died on the cross, but whenever he died, they believe his humanity was annihilated. What does that mean? Yeah, it was destroyed. Just that was it. So good job. Uh, it ended forever. His humanity. Y'all stop. Just stop touching each other. Well, yeah. Well, now all of you stop. Then just be quiet. Shh, just be quiet. You were in it. Just be quiet. I'm not even going to look at you for at least a minute. So they, their humanity was annihilated. Uh, they believe that Jesus' humanity was annihilated. It ended right in there, and then he returned to heaven as Michael. Okay, so we don't believe that at all. Thankfully, such beliefs uh, in the Bible are very easy to refute because there's no record in the Bible whatsoever teaching that Michael became Jesus and vice versa. And so remember, they only, even though they think the Trinity is an illogical thing, They think this is logical because, remember, Jesus is mighty God and then God is almighty God. And so they just twist their scriptures to, uh, they twist these scriptures to fit their narratives. So again, we're going to look at the Bible, John 1.1, Macy, uh, David, John 1.3. That's all I got for this one. Minutes up. You still love me. Just be quiet. And don't touch anyone. You either. Oh, those are nice shoes. Uh, John 1 1, Macy. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. Okay. John 1 3. All things were created through him and apart from him, and the one thing was created that has been created. So. What they're talking about here is that in the beginning, Jesus was the Word, and the Word was with God. And that... (laughs) 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 (laughs)
how can, to refute that, I would say, how can Jesus be creator of everything, as that verse says, if he himself was created? Right. And so it makes no sense on their statement because the very word of God plainly states Jesus was there in the beginning, like Macy's word said, uh, Macy's scripture said, and then Brody and David read that he created everything and everything was created for him. So again, their, their beliefs are just enough off to confuse someone who's not really grounded in what the Word of God teaches. And that's why it's important that you understand it because plenty of Christians who know just a little bit can get trapped up in this and get confused and say, oh, is that right? Is that the correct thing? No, it's not. Here's what the Bible teaches. Okay, they also teach. So first, no trinity. Uh, They don't teach that Christ was God. So why would they believe that Christ rose from the grave, right? Because what did I teach you about Michael? They believe that when Christ uh, descended, he was Michael become human. And then when he, was, when he died, his humanity was annihilated and he returned to heaven as an angel. So if there's no body, then as they believe, then there's no grave to rise from. Uh, they, they insist actually that uh, he did not rise bodily from the grave, but only as a spirit who looked like he was a body. Okay? So, someone read, uh, Brody, read um, Luke 26, 36 through 43. So, this is a longer passage, but I just want you to listen to it. Okay? This is when Jesus has Luke 26, 36. Look, Luke 24, 36. I'm sorry. Luke 24, 36 through 43. So, to, to set the context, Jesus has risen from the grave, and He is now walking amongst His disciples. Now keep in mind that Jehovah's Witnesses believe that He was not a body at this time. He was just something like a ghost. He looked like a body, but He wasn't a person. Okay, We don't believe that to be true at all. We believe He physically rose from the dead. The Bible teaches that. Brody's going to read to us now. So, um, yeah, buddy. Wouldn't also this rely, like, as in Thomas, didn't he, Thomas, touch, like, his hands? Yeah. Well, Thomas said, I, um, Thomas said, I won't believe until I touch the the holes in his hands. And Jesus said, go ahead, you know, basically go ahead. That's paraphrased. But remember how just a few minutes ago I said the Jehovah's Witnesses don't believe in the Trinity because why? Why did I say they don't? Because Because it's confusing. It's illogical. It goes against reason. Uh, Satan, God would never do anything confusing. Confusing. It's Satan. Well, how does this, like, explain this to me, explain this belief to me. If you think that goes against reason, then here's a person who's, who approaches them and says, hey, don't, they, they're saying we're startled like we've seen a ghost. He says, basically, here's a paraphrase. Calm down. It's me. It's your Lord. You've been with me. Uh, you knew me intimately before I died for you. Touch, touch my body to see that I have flesh, bones, muscles, joints. I'm not a ghost. It says that. And then as he goes even a step further and says what? They give him something to eat. Okay, this isn't Casper. Like, he doesn't eat and the food like just disappears. Like, he says, give me something to eat. And I think, like David is pointing out, he, he quells all of their doubts right there. He's like, I'm not a ghost. I'm not a spirit. I'm a real man who just defeated death by, because I am God. I'm God the Son. And so they contradict their very understanding of reason by saying, well, the Trinity's too confusing, but here let me go say Christ didn't rise from the dead because He's just a spirit. 
but we're just going to ignore this whole passage that basically says... They just I don't know what they say about that passage. I, I looked that one up. I, I don't know what they have to say, but it can't be any clearer than that. Um, they also believe, again, by not believing in the Trinity... Their questionable logic continues to state that the Holy Spirit is not God. It's just some invisible act or a force that God uses Jehovah's Witnesses to do His will. Notice that. Like, it doesn't say for Christians to do their will. Because remember, Christians are evil. They, they believe the wrong things. They're going to perish in Armageddon. Jehovah's Witnesses say that the Spirit is like an electricity. Okay, so to me... This one is silly because it really, I mean, it's so silly to me, it doesn't really need an explanation. But because Scripture is God's Word and it's always authoritative, let's look there to see what the Word of God says about these types of beliefs. Acts 13.2, Bubba, Romans 8.14, Macy 8.26, Romans, Reese 8.27, Maddox, Hebrews 3.7, New Testament, towards the back. David, 1 Corinthians 12.11. And Jake, Revelation 2.7, last book of the Bible. 1 Corinthians 10.11. Romans 8.14. Alright, uh, Griffin first, please. As they were worshiping the Lord and fasting, the Holy Spirit said, Set apart for me Barnabas and Saul for the work to which I have called them. Okay, so the Holy Spirit spoke. And He gave a commandment, so He's not an invisible act. Uh, Romans 8.14. For all those led by God's Spirit are God's sons. Led by God's Spirit. 8.26, Macy. Okay. 827. And he who searches our hearts knows the mind of the Spirit because the Spirit intercedes for God's people in accordance with the will of God. Very good. Hebrew, I mean, 1 Corinthians 12, 11. Uh, wait, 12, 11, okay. Yeah, it's okay. Uh, one of the same Spirit is active in all these distributing to each other as well as, well as the wills. Hebrews 3, 7. 3-7. Just read it. I know, but it's like a... Just like that one verse yeah, just the one. Therefore, as the Holy Spirit says, today if you hear His voice, did not harden your hearts as in the rebellion on the day of testing in the wilderness. Thank you, buddy. Revelation 2-7. Let anyone who, he, who has ears to hear listen to what the Spirit says to the churches. To the one who Thank you. So every time here we see that the Holy Spirit, God the Holy Spirit is active. He's active among believers. He's active among the church speaking to them. He's praying for us always. Even when we don't know what to say, the Holy Spirit prays for us. And so to say that the Holy Spirit is just this invisible act or this force that, that inspires people to do what's right or acts like a, a feeling of electricity really uh, belittles God the Holy Spirit because He is fully God uh, and fully God the Spirit. And so, again, 
Not, not difficult for them to believe this. Last big thing that we're, well, last two big things to talk about. Big question here. Do we work our way to heaven? No. No. Jehovah's so many words. Jehovah's witnesses believe that the J-dubs, I said I was going to do that. They actively believe that they're working their way to heaven. Okay. They believe that mankind is saved through works and not just obedience to Jehovah, but perfect obedience by being and doing exactly not what the, the Bible says, but doing exactly what the Watchtower Bible track and society teaches. Okay, note the difference there, right? Not perfect obedience to God by doing what the Bible says, but perfect obedience to God by doing what other Jehovah's Witnesses leaders say. So now have thousands upon thousands of years of traditional Christians believed and taught the same things? Yes, that's why we call it traditional uh, heterodoxy, traditional Christianity, orthodoxy, um, what it means to follow after Jesus. Now, they, they just simply changed it, albeit to a grossly incorrect one. Plus, as we were talking about what Caroline said, they only believe that 144,000 people will go to heaven. Okay? I don't know where they got that number. That's precisely what they believe. They established that belief well long ago. And that number has been sealed. So those people have long died and already gone to heaven. No. They don't get to go to heaven. They go, they, they believe that, um, so Rutherford, remember that guy I showed, the second guy? He was the one that decided these are the 144,000. Anyone born after this time, maybe they'll get to go, but it's 144,000. So now they try to work really hard to be perfect so that they might, even though they don't get to go to heaven, they'll live on a new earthly paradise. But those that go to heaven will be immortal. These guys will just be on an earthly paradise forever, uh, enjoying themselves. Okay? So, again... So odd and also so unfounded in God's Word. So, Elizabeth, you read John 5, chapter 24. Jack, you read John eleven twenty-five. Emma, you read John twenty thirty-one. Andrew, you read Romans 3, 24 through 25. And Presley, you read Romans 10, 9 through 10. So again, it's one thing for me to say this is crazy, and I know since most of you have been raised... Inside this Bible-believing church, you're also saying this is just wild because we know that Jesus died for all people that would call upon His name that might be saved, far greater the number than 144,000. But let's see what the Word says, starting with Elizabeth. John 5, 24. Truly I say to you, anyone. Okay, next, John eleven twenty five. Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. The one who believes in me will live even though they die. Even though they die. Okay, awesome. Emma, John twenty thirty one. For these are written so that you may believe that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God, and that by believing you may have the life in His name. Yes, Romans three twenty four through 25. Christ, 
So not only do we learn in that passage that God forgives sins, but we understand that it's given to us by what? Grace, which is God's what? Very well done. Uh, Presley, Romans 10, 9 through 10. So, what does it mean for them to reject the full atonement of Christ? Well, that means the atonement of Christ, what does atonement mean? Does anyone know? So, if you do something wrong, you have to atone for it to make it right. Now, we are sinners. We're all sinners. We all fall short of the glory of God. We understand that the Bible teaches we can't do anything to make it right. So, someone had to come live a perfect, sinless life and become the person who could make it right. Jesus did that by dying on the cross for our sins, willfully becoming the substitution for us, right? He died. That's why we say He died in whose place? Our place. Because He's the substitutionary atonement. He made it right. He died. Uh, he He lay in the grave three days, and He rose from the dead and defeated death because He was perfect, and He did that for us by grace. And so they deny that by saying, actually, what we're going to do is we're going to work really hard, and we're going to be perfect, even though we don't get to go to heaven, even though that's precisely what Elizabeth's verse said, we're going to try our best to live perfect lives. But what happens if they don't, if they're not perfect? What happens to them next? What do they believe? Our last topic that we're going to wrap it up in is there is no hell. Okay, so Watchtower Publications, their magazines teach that hell is not a place of fiery torment, but rather just the common grave of mankind, a place of unconscious non-existence, a.k.a. I would call that annihilation theory. Is this what the Bible teaches? Let's find out. Brody, Revelation 21.8, Griffin, Matthew 10.28, Kate... Matthew 24, 26, Caroline, Psalm 9, 17, David, 2 Thessalonians 1, 9, Macy, Matthew 13, 50, and to finish it up, Gavin, you read Jude 1, 7. You can read. Revelation 21, 8. 21.8. Thessalonians what? 2 Thessalonians 1.9. I know there was a lot of numbers in there. Not yet, buddy. I'll call on you when it's time, but thank you. Uh, Revelation 21.8. Let's go. But the cowards, faithless, detestable, murderers, sexual, immoral, sorcerers, idolaters, and all liars, their, sh- their share will be in the lake that burns with fire and sulfur, which is the second death. Matthew ten twenty-eight. Don't fear those who kill the body, but are not able to kill the soul. Rather fear him who is able to destroy both the soul and body in hell. Matthew twenty-four forty-six. Psalm 9, 2 Thessalonians 1, 9. 
So that one we're going to talk about. They, they, those who don't believe, those that do not seek repentance of their sin. But how can you be punished if you aren't aware of punishment, right? So again, I think their beliefs are easily debatable and easily correctable because they're saying, well, it's just a place of unconscious non-existence. Not true. They will face their punishment. And then Matthew thirteen fifty. What is it to mean to gnash teeth? Like grinding. grinding. But how can you grind teeth if you're not con- if you're nothing? Again, so another belief that's easily overcomable by the word of God and last Jude one seven. Likewise, Sodom and Gomorrah and the surrounding towns committed sexual immorality and perversions and serve as an example by undergoing the punishment of eternal fire. So Jude one seven is given just as an example of what hell will be like. What happened in Sodom and Gomorrah? Rain down down fire from heaven and earth to destroy it. And so the fact that they don't believe in in a physical eternal hell is is not true. And it is a fact. And that's why here at this church we preach the repentance of sins because we know that hell is a real place. We know that one day we'll die. And one day God will judge us. And if it's based on our merits, we know that Romans 3.23 says we're all sinners and we fall short of the glory of God. And so we're looking to be justified, which means that when God looks upon us, He sees Jesus because we call upon Jesus in, uh, in, in repentance for our sins so that He might be our salvation. So basically, how do we respond to Jehovah's Witnesses? All right, so we don't ever want to go to any person that believes different than we do and be rude to them be mean to them, smash them on the head with our Bible. Okay, we don't want to do do that. We want to be kind and compassionate just as Jesus was, but we want to respond by saying two things about the Bible and one thing about Jesus. All right? We need to understand what 1 Peter 3.15 says. Okay? 1 Peter 3.15 So, as Christians, the reason I harp on you to pay attention, why I get on to you when you're not listening, is not because I'm mad at you, but it's because as Christians, the Bible tells us, be ready to give an answer to anyone that has a, has a question for you. Now, do you all have to be theolo- theological students? No, you don't. But it is important that you understand the basics of the faith so that when someone asks you a question, you can say, mm, that's not right. Let me point you to the basic point, or let me get you someone that can answer that. But the first thing is, the Bible is authoritative, right? We believe that. It's the very Word of God, God's Word to us. So it has authority to speak above what we think, right? If Macy and I have a conversation and she says, well, I don't believe that, and I don't, you, you don't believe that, at the end of the day, those are just our opinions. And while they're important and we need to respect each other, God's Word holds the final say, okay? And then the Bible is also sufficient, Meaning that even though it was written thousands of years ago to a people that are now long gone, that it is sufficient to deal with the problems of today. And we see that all throughout our lives when we turn open to the Bible and we read about things and it seems as if it was still written for us in our very lives. So for a Jehovah's Witness to say, well, the Bible's not relevant to us, all we have to do is just open it up and let the Word of God do the talking. And the final thing is we need to know in our heart, not just according to reason, 
or our thoughts that Christ is indeed God and He died for your sins, our sins, my sins, Brody's sins, everybody's sins, and was raised on the third day according to the Scriptures. So Jesus is God. That is the quintessential Protestant belief that we have as Christians, right? Because if God didn't die for our sins and didn't rise from the dead, then what hope do we have? All right, Paul talks about that, but he did. So we have all the hope in the world. Okay, so it's very important that you understand how to deal with these uh, people. Again, we want to be kind and point them to the truth that is found in Scripture.